Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. How are we doing today? Uh, okay, there was one, I think Dean. Some of you, I have a couple of pastor friends of smaller churches, and they're like, yeah, we have like a coffee time before the sermon. You people help me to see why they do that, right? They wake them up. <laughs> Hopefully you're juiced up. Um, any of you see the moon the other night when it was just like crazy, right? Like, um, I'm not really a moon guy, whatever that is, but... When it's like that and I'm like driving on the road, sometimes it just kind of starts to drive off the road because it just gets your attention, right? It's just so bright. Um, I could have easily done anything you guys could do, just Google image, some cool pictures of the moon for you. But why do that when we have an awesome photographer? He, hate me for saying that, but he's back running our live stream in the back, Patrick. Um, these are two of his photos from his actual uh, uh, library that he has. Amen, amen, right? Patrick's growing red, so we'll stop. But the great photographs, and, and it just shows you. I wanted you to see, man, when the moon, when it just shines like that, right? It just draws your eyes, right? It does. But I don't know, do you remember when the first time you were told that the moon doesn't actually shine any light? Like, I remember St. Agnes School, grade school. I can't remember. It might have been Sister Linda, to be honest. Um, you know, it said, I was like, why do adults always say the dumbest things? Like, it's like, obvious, the moon shines, right? We even call it moonlight, right? We say, the moon is bright tonight. Like, we have songs about it, right? What do you mean it doesn't shine? But turns out Sister Linda was right. That the moon, just like any of us, without the sun is in darkness, right? And so the moon just has to be positioned right to reflect the light that is actually the sun's. And that, when I, when I say to you after church, or I see you out, you know, at the grocery store, which is very rare for me to be there, but if I do, and I say, be the moon, all right, you're, you won't think that's an insult. You'll know what I mean after we're done. Because as Christians, when we look at the shepherd candle, the candle that represents joy that was fulfilled by the birth of Christ, that is the glory of the Lord coming upon us. And our job is to be the moon and to shine forth that joy in a place that's pretty dark, that draws the focus and the attention, right, to say they are, he, she, it's different. You're the moon. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the sacred time, so thankful for the Advent readings uh, from the Cooter family. Thank you for them. Thank you for our worship team. Thank you for um, our, our time of worship, our kids downstairs, just so over grateful for all that you have done through generous people in our church family. And I pray that this time in your word would just be a continue of the sacredness of assembling together and that you would do through your spirit what you need to do. You'd get me out of the way. I would not be a distraction but a vessel to bring your grace and your mercy and your truth to your people or to those who um, are going to be part of your people. And we pray that you would do that. It's in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. If you like to, we'll put it on the screen, but if you like to follow along, we're actually going to look at two prophecies fulfilled. And the first is in Isaiah chapter 60. Lauren actually read from 61. We're going to backtrack you to 60. 61 is a great prophecy. 60 is a great prophecy. Um, by the way, uh, as I like to say, uh, if you um, want to use any time our pew Bibles that are in front of you, you can. And if you want to uh, take that home, if you don't have God's word and you don't have a Bible, uh, that would be our gift to you. Or if you know someone, um, I was just talking to Jen Nixon uh, this morning, and when 
when she was going through chemo, she met another guy who was pretty down because he too was going through chemo. And she just felt prodded by God. She took one of those Bibles. She gave it to him. She recently just connected with him again because it's been a while. And he said, that, I started reading the Bible. It jump-started my whole life. He's going to a, a really good church. And he's a Christian. He's going to a small group. right? Still battling cancer. But he says everything changed. So you don't know with just giving someone God's word. It's what a story that is, right? Amen. I meant it for Jen, too, to do that. Um, and so, uh, also, you heard uh, Christmas Eve. We have postcards that you could give to people if you know someone who doesn't have a church. Um, right out on the welcome desk, take as many as you want. It's just so they can say, oh, I'll come to, to church on Christmas Eve. All right? Okay. So, as we, as we look at this prophecy from I, Isaiah, um, it really became, Isaiah gave this prophecy long, and so he's now, uh, it became really beloved amongst the Israelites after he was long dead. Uh, it made a lot more sense to them. They were in exile in Babylon. And, and, and that's where they felt things really dark, like God had just abandoned us, their fault, they had sinned and rebelled, but God, right, they're just in exile, in darkness, and so they really clung to this hope of a future Messiah, which means the anointed one, that is going to come. He's a king, and he's going to change everything. As I read this through, and I'm not going to belabor it, I want you to see certain themes that are, that are fulfilled. Um, I want you to see this idea of in darkness that the glory of the Lord comes upon them and it's represented in light in that darkness. I want you to see as that comes, as, as it comes upon them, they shine forth. You even see that in the first two words, arise, shine. Right? And, 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 and it produces, it produces joy, it produces peace, and it produces praise. And it also is something that draws the attention of all the nations. Something that they didn't quite grasp, but we now see that this isn't just for Israel. This king isn't just for Jerusalem. It's for all the nations, right? So watch with me what Isaiah said. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Right there you see darkness, but here comes the glory of the Lord to shine upon you. Right? Isaiah continues, verse 3. And nations, not just one, right? Nations shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Those in exile, this was such a hope for them, right? Such a hope. Then you shall see and be radiant, right? You're the moon. You're going to shine forth that light. Your heart shall thrill and exult. There's praise, right? Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring huh, gold and frankincense. That's interesting, huh? And shall bring good news. That's gospel. That's what they're going to bring. The praises of the Lord. So you see those themes. The glory of the Lord shining forth. His presence is going to be with them. There's going to be peace and joy. And it's going to be light. And it's going to draw others to them. Now, before we see the fulfillment, it's a smaller prophecy. But it's from the Psalm. Psalm 72. Um, precisely. Psalm 72. 
This is a song that was celebrating the future, right? Messianic age, the anointed one, the glory of Jerusalem, right? And how he's going to be king of kings and this Messiah will come, right? I'm just going to give you a few verses from that psalm. Verse 8, may he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies Lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. So as they looked forward, it was going to come this uh, Messiah, this king, where all kings will bow down. All nations will come to serve him. Okay, so uh, looking at, at, at the fulfillment of it, we, we, uh, I'm going to spend most of the time with our shepherds. It's a shepherd candle. But last two weeks, we, we looked at the Magi. And remember who they are. They came, they're foreigners. Right? They're not part of Israel. They're not part of God's people. They really shouldn't have any part of this promise. But we find out that they do. And, and they, they came all the way. Why? Because they saw a light, a star. And they followed it. Right? And, and you remember the theme. And so when they saw where the, the baby, where the promise, this Messiah, this king, right, in the house, right, they, they, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Joy, joy, all over it. These foreigners, right, who come. Now you know why um, the classic hymn calls them kings. Because they were looking at the Isaiah prophecy and said, well, they must have been kings. Well, they weren't. They were the nations bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the whole fulfillment hasn't happened yet. We live in the already first advent, first arrival, not yet, second arrival. And that can be hard, right? But we look forward to that second advent. And so remember, I just want to remind you just to, uh, in, in verse 11, they go, they see the star over the house and it says, in going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Fulfillment of that prophecy. I remember when I was a little kid, I think I was in first grade, maybe kindergarten, and uh, the priest, I was at a Catholic school, he came down to the little children's question and answer, and it was around Christmas time, and this was a story, and, and he was like, you have any questions, kids? I was raising my hand. He's like, oh, Jamie, little Jamie, what do you got for us? And I said, what did Jesus do with all that gold, frankincense, and myrrh? The priest is like, something answering asking questions, I don't know. He probably figured right then this guy's gonna be a Baptist pastor someday. You know? <laughs> no, we had a great relationship, uh, that priest and I. But um, he didn't know how to answer that. And someone finally said, Well, they probably spent it. They were just hanging out and they went to Egypt, right? So, oh yeah, well, Mary and Joseph probably did. But but the the uh, I don't know why I said that, it's not in my notes, but um, it, it's the fulfillment of that prophecy, right? The nation's coming, exceedingly great joy. And then they go back. They, they gotta go back to the east, where there's nobody else that really knows God, and they gotta be the moon. They gotta take that joy, still in the already not yet, still in this dark world, and shine forth the joy of this Christ. Okay, so I'm gonna bring you, uh, this was already amazingly read uh, earlier during our Advent reading, and I'm gonna give you some of it, but not all of it. Um, 
And as we look at it kind of quickly together, because it's pretty, probably most of us, regardless of your background, in church, you've probably heard this one. All you have to do is watch Linus in a Christmas, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, right? And he memorized this. Great passage to memorize. Um, and, and, and as we look at this, though, I want you to specifically think about those themes we've seen already in the prophecy, right? The light and the darkness, the, the glory of the Lord coming upon the people, joy, peace, praise, Right, All of that that comes in this story. Verse 8. And in the same region, right, Luke's already told us about Bethlehem and the birth of Christ. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Right, By night. That's important. It's physical darkness, but it represents something, doesn't it? And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. Boom. Right? The bright lights in the darkness. And they were filled with with great fear. How many times have I told you, when you face to face, when you're in the darkness of this world, you come face to face with the glory of the Lord. You don't ask questions. You don't make challenges. You don't make suggestions. You fall on your face. When you come face to face with the light of the presence of the glory of God, he's come, he's come, and the angel is announcing. Angel is not producing light. The angel is being a moon, shining forth the glory of the Lord. Shepherds, if you've been with us for a number of years, you've, you've heard me talk about them. They, we've romanticized them over the years, like, oh, it's a shepherd, you know, put them in your manger scene, right? Well, shepherds were um, pretty much the lowest class of citizen, just above lepers, so they could look down on somebody anyway, uh, people with skin disease. Uh, but they were um, always unclean. They couldn't go to church. They couldn't follow their religious beliefs if they had them. Um, they had a saying, what is thine is mine, right? It rhymes. And they always, like, like, often would be thieves and miscreants and not the best of people. We don't know that the, these shepherds were that. Sometimes people make that. We don't, we don't know. But we know is they represent a class completely looked down upon, should have nothing to do with the glory of the Lord. And yet, look, what does this tell you? No matter who you are, no matter what the world puts you, whatever class that world puts you in, and maybe you deserve to be there, you can have Jesus too, even the shepherds, even the shepherds. So the angel, um, keep looking for those, those, uh, the, the theme, verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you gospel, which is what good news means. Bring you good news of what? Great joy. Your first thought when you see God is fear. But the angel says, no, 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 no. He's here. It's great joy that will be for all the people. Not everyone, but all the nations. All the nations. Okay, not just for Israel anymore. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So that, that Christ, which is just a Greek translation of Messiah, which just means the anointed one, as I've said a few times. Not an anointed one. Any one of you could be anointed by God, absolutely. But the anointed one. The one they've been looking forward to throughout the prophecy, all the way back to Genesis 3.15. He's going to come and he's going to crush the head of Satan. And throughout Israel's history is this future coming of the glory of God and the angels like it is today. He's been born. He is Christ. He is Savior, capital S. Not to save you from worldly oppression, but to save you from the darkness of your own sin. And here's an even greater thing. He's the Lord. He is Yahweh in the flesh. So not only does he come to save, but he has the power to save. And these shepherds 
are in awe. You see that theme of great joy so far. Verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, so even more light, of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, peace, among those whom he has pleased. Or you could translate that who he has rested his favor upon, or chosen by his grace, even shepherds, even you. It isn't everyone who will come to Christ, but anyone can. No longer are you left out because you're a certain uh, culture or religion or family or money, whatever it might have been. You can come to this glory of the Lord. And so the, the, um, the, the shepherds, as, as we heard earlier, ran, found it full of joy. But I want to just cap it off with verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. But here's what we don't, that's it, right? So they have to go back and shepherd, right? They have to go back and live. All that life brings and the already not yet. And, and they have to do it and be the moon to shine in that darkness, these shepherds. They have to be different. They should be changed forever because of the joy that's been fulfilled by this Messiah, this Savior, this Lord, Jesus. And so as, as we look at this fulfillment, what I see for us is that the glory of the Lord brings joy. That's the moon. We shine forth joy wherever we're at, reflecting the glory of the Lord, what he has done. We shine forth with that joy wherever we go in this already not yet. The difference um, that I always want to make sure we focus on when we talk about joy is that we're not talking about happiness. Not talking about that, are we? Happiness is circumstantial. I hope you're happy. But happy you could be happy today, not happy tomorrow, based on something you do, someone else's, or just circumstances, right? It's not what I'm talking about. You're not shining forth happiness. You're shining forth joy. Right? Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is rooted and far greater. It's rooted in the eternal, isn't it? Um, one of the best ways is, I've, I've used this illustration before, and because I need to have peace in my home, I need to footnote this and give full credit to my wife, Heather. She came up with this illustration, all right? So if you don't like it, talk to her. All right. She's, you know, she, she had brought this up in one of our small groups a number of years ago, and I really loved it. I want you to imagine that this Christmas, somebody who's, um, you know, maybe came into money that you know, or maybe they're just being generous, and they give you a gift full everything paid for a trip to your favorite possible place in the world maybe it's hawaii maybe it's alaska maybe it's the, the holy land i don't know for you okay and, and you got it. there's nothing you have to spend you have it in your pocket but now you're in the airport anybody like the airport anyone who says they like the airport is because not because you actually like the really comfy seats in the airport the mediocre overpriced food at the airport it's because you like where you're going. That's the ticket. So you're in the airport. Some kid's kicking your seat. Next to you is a family that's going to Disney, and the kid's whining, even though he's about to have all of his dreams come true, right, and, and, and crying. And, you know, you, you, you think for a second you could probably backhand the kid, but that's probably not appropriate. And you just sit there and go, ah, it doesn't matter. My lukewarm Dunkin' Donuts coffee, my overpriced bagel, it doesn't matter. 
The person who just cut me or sat in the seat that I had reserved, it doesn't matter. It's the airport. I'm going to Hawaii or Alaska or where. That's where. It's, it's producing something. It's not your circumstances. It's what's coming. Now, if you don't, uh, uh, if you don't have anywhere to go, you don't have that gift in pocket, and you just decide, I'm going to live in the airport. And you might try to make it as comfortable as you can and as happy as you can, but here's what your attitude's going to be. Shh, quiet, kid. Trying to get some peace and quiet. Right? Don't cut me. I deserve that spot in line because here's the thing. It's all you got. And if you don't know Christ, I'm telling you, I don't want to, to, to depress you too much, but you're living in the airport, and it's all it's ever going to be. And I understand why you're trying to make it as comfortable and happy as possible, but it's only get to a certain point. For the Christian, regardless of what's happened in the airport, we live for what's coming. We live for what has already happened and what we know is coming. And that's joy. You see, people think when I preach this that I hate happiness. I'm no Scrooge. I like happiness. I, like, I, I do. I'm just pleading with you not to live for it. Because here's what happens. Say you have a weekend that's just so happy. You're with your people, your family, best friends, whatever, right? And you go somewhere, you have an awesome time, you have good food, good drink, good laughs, good, just awesome, right? And you're like, I'm so happy. Praise God for that. I'm, I'm glad for that. But here's what you do. If you think happiness is the ceiling or the point, you're going to then spend the rest of your time after that trying to recreate that, right? Spending whatever money, whatever time, whatever to try to recreate that moment, and it just never seems to work. And so then we get frustrated and impatient and jealous of others who are happier than we are. But if you could see instead your happy time, that ceiling should blow up and it should roll up to joy. What's the difference? Well, the person who doesn't know Christ, the filet that you just ate, that's it. That's great. It tastes good. I love a good filet, right? But if you're a Christian, you can now say, praise God for that good gift. Praise God for the good gift of that grandbaby in my arms. Praise God for that sunset on the beach. You see how happiness really rolls up into joy, and even if you're not particularly happy right now, you can have joy because it's rooted in the manger of Bethlehem. It's rooted even deeper into the cross at Calvary, and it's rooted into the empty tomb, and it's rooted into he's coming again, and you know where you're going. That's what joy is, and that's why you can have it when you're in Christ. When we see this fulfillment of this prophecy and this joy, I, I see a, 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 a few things. I see a joyous presence. I didn't misspell that. I sometimes misspell things, all right? It's not P-R-E-S-E-N-T. It's Christmas time. You just got to be clear. Nothing, nothing wrong with a good present. But I think we often get so enamored with God's stuff, we forget the joy that God came to be present with us. It's almost not enough. I remember one Christmas a number of years ago, I was in early teens, and um, I was in that time frame where toys, too old for them, but socks and a sweater, not doing it for me, right? That's before we had the toys of iPhones and all kinds of stuff, right? We had video games, but uh, we, I never got those. So, uh, you know, my family wasn't poor, but we weren't rich. So my mom especially, she did the best she could. 
But I remember this particular Christmas because I feel so bad about it. Um, I opened up my gifts and I was just like, mm. and I, I just, I don't know if you noticed about this, I don't, I don't do a real good job of hiding my emotions. You know, I try. I'm my mother's son. She wasn't good at it either. And um, so I kind of went, oh, thanks, you know, and wandered up the stairs and got in my bed. Woe is me. I'm such a sad life, right? And, and my mom actually came up a little bit later. You could tell she was kind of disheartened. She tried her best. And she said, oh, you know, what's the matter? You didn't like your gifts. And I'm not that much of a jerk. I didn't say no. I didn't do that. But I was like, oh, no, it's fine, you know. And I could see. And I still remember my mom leaving my room just kind of down that she'd kind of failed, right? If I could go back in time and pummel my little teenage self, wouldn't you do that? And if you are a teenager, trust me, you will want to do it someday. And if I could just talk to 13-year-old Jamie or whatever I was and just say, all that stuff you might have wanted, maybe your friends got, it wouldn't, you wouldn't even remember it a few years later. Rotted, rusted, thrown away. But what you missed is the presence of your mother who someday you will just long. She, we lost her 11 years ago. I'll give any gift in this planet to just have some time with an awesome mother that I had. And I, I present that to you because you're never, if you're a Christian, you're never going to lose the presence of God. He's with you right now. He's always with you. But so often, we're the teenager Christian, and we just kind of go, yeah, but, 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 but I need this. When you have him, always. And so what I want, that's what, if you want to have more joy, pursue his presence more. Recognize it. Prayer, in his word, worship. But I'm talking even when your day's gone haywire, you know what I'm talking about? At work, at home with kids, whatever your, your deal is, and you're just like, right? Maybe you never have those moments. Probably you do. That in that moment, just breathe and remember, Jesus is present with you right there. He's with you. And if he's with you, who can be against you? What's, gonna, what's, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you if the presence of the Lord of glory is with you right in that? That produces a joy even in the frustrations of the airport because you know what you have, gift in hand. We see all over this also joyous salvation. Of course, he's Savior right? He's Savior to come and save us from our, our sin. He's, he, he's, he's, yes, Emmanuel, God with us, but he's Jesus, Yahweh saves. But why is this so important is that, is that he doesn't just want to save you, Savior. He has the power to save you, Lord. That's why, wait, I know people get, we get a bad rap, it's like, oh, you're so exclusive, you have to be a Christian. Well, yes, because only Jesus has the power to save you. Like, I can't save you. I'd love to. Paul once wrote, I'd go to hell if, I could, if Israel could be saved. But I can't. I can't save them. I've told before, it's like when the couple that comes home to find their toddler son and his grandmother was watching them drown in a pool. Horrible. What had happened is the kid had fallen in, and the grandmother so loved and wanted to save her grandson, she dove in after him, but she didn't know how to swim either. And they both drowned. That would be me like trying to save your soul, right? So Jesus didn't just, just want to. He's the only one who had the power to die on that cross with the precious, perfect blood 
to claim victory over the grave and rise and to come again in all of his glory where all kings will come and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And so if you've never trusted Christ, that's why he's the only way. He's the only one who could do it. Your religion and your morality and your philosophy and whatever you think is going to save you, it's not. Only Jesus, whether you're a shepherd or you're a king. If you're a king, I'd love to talk to you later too. That'd be kind of cool to meet you. But you still need Jesus. You still need him. And here's the thing. For those of us who are, are Christians, remember that gift of the gospel is in your pocket. That gift of the gospel, wherever you're going through, you're saved for all of eternity. I don't like being afraid and stressed and the airport stuff. I don't like it either. But joy lifts your eyes beyond the circumstances and says, that's who I am. Savior, the Lord. Joy. Maybe not happiness, but joy. And lastly, I see, oh, I see. Joyous Peace. When you see peace, we're not talking about, ah, oh, I feel peaceful. That's not what this is. Peace is you were at war, and now you're friends. Isn't that amazing? I was, um, when I was a kid, my, I still is, one of my favorite Christmas songs is Snoopy and the Red Baron. You guys know that one? <laughs> Love that one. Even as a kid, I did. I never hear it anymore. So we got to hear Mariah Carey every four and a half minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not even in my notes. Don't encourage me. You'll never get out of here. Where was I? Snoopy and the Red Mare. I was a kid. I would get choked up because it's a song. I, even I recognize how awesome it is. The two fighter pilots who are trying to kill each other in this war. On Christmas Day, there's a, uh, and it was a, it's actually a real event that happened in the war, that they called a truce, and they actually came out and partied, the enemies. And in the song, he says, Merry Christmas, my friend. I remember just feeling choked up. How powerful is that? Enemies trying to kill each other, friends. That's what peace is, right? Except you have eternal peace, not just one day of it. And your peace is made with God. I don't know if you knew this, but without Christ, you're actually at war with God. That doesn't sound very good, right? To be at war with God? Because you're enemies with him. And you deserve. He's going to win the war. And you deserve it because it's your fault you're at war. But he loved you so much that that's what the, the glory of the Messiah, of Christ, he's come to make peace by the blood of the cross. And so if you know him, you know peace in a way nobody else could possibly fathom. With your creator, you are a friend of God. That's why some of you, if you're in Christ and you're still, I mean, I'm not saying you still think about it sometimes, you're human. I'm saying you still carry the guilt of sin that you've already confessed and said, Jesus paid, you're still carrying it. And here's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying that's really disrespectful to the king of kings. That he said it's finished. Why do you say it isn't? It's finished. Paid in full. You're a friend of God now. In freedom, live that way. Some of you, the joy isn't shining because you still think you need to sit over here and pay for your sins when Jesus already paid for them. So if you've never given your life to Christ, do that. But if you have, know you have peace. Peace. And here's what that does. Is as we recognize the peace of God, we now have peace with one another. Because you're living in the airport and you're like, eh, you can go ahead. 
someone cuts you off in traffic, you're like, what do I care? I got peace with God. I got presence of Christ. Right? Someone takes something from you, and you're just like, what do I, I don't need to make the airport that comfortable anyway. It's fine. You must need it more than me. And suddenly we're generous, and suddenly we're forgiving, and suddenly we're far more patient than we ever were because we have joy, and that's what we're living for, not happiness. The gift of joy fulfilled by the birth of Christ. Let's pray. And I, I want you to, if you, you're not watching a, a child, either put your head down or, or close your eyes just so you can focus. And I want you to breathe. Don't just be like, okay, what am I doing after church? Just breathe. And I want you to recognize that right now with us is the presence of the Lord of glory. He promised that. He's with us. That should be sobering and yet joy-producing in a way that rolls up into praise. He's with us. If you need comfort, he's there to comfort you. If you need a reminder that you're a friend of God, he's there to remind you. If you just need to bask in the presence of his holiness that fills you with worship, he's here to receive that worship. Maybe you're a shepherd of this life. That message is given to you. And maybe you need to just for the first time put your faith in Jesus. He's the only one who could ever save you. Father, we thank you for the gift of joy that is Emmanuel, Jesus, the Lord of glory. Lord, I pray that you would save anyone this morning who needs to be saved, that you would Give them the eyes to see, the tongue to confess that Jesus is Lord. I pray that the cross for some of us, that we would see it, it's enough. It's enough. And Lord, I ask that you would produce a joy in your people, so fierce, so beautiful, that we, wherever you place us, shine like the moon in a dark world. We worship you, your holy name, because you alone are worthy and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you can, stand with me and let's worship.